Welcome everybody to the Card Chronicle Podcast. This is the morning of Friday, October 7th. Mike Rutherford here in lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in, uh, in gray, gross, whatever, Columbus, Ohio. I'm assuming it's okay there. How is the weather in Columbus, Dan? Yeah, we're overcast right now. Um, it, it kind of fits the mood, I guess. Um, not a whole lot going on till Halloween. I, I, You know, it's about the time of the year where everyone starts kind of gearing up for the holidays but um yeah the waking up in the dark that's starting to hit not 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 exactly the funnest time well, we want to do this podcast a little bit earlier in the week we couldn't find the time because i mean let's be real the storyline surrounding Louisville football right now is not saturday's game against virginia uh the the battle of the only two teams in the acc that have played multiple conference games and have not won a league game it's it's what happened last week, and I think the, the lingering effects of that and kind of the overwhelming sense that this is – we're heading towards the end of the Scott Satterfield era. And if you don't know what we're talking about, God love you. But uh, Louisville loses to Boston College last weekend, 34-33, in a game that felt eerily similar to many, many games that we've seen from this team over the last three years. And now I think I, I think the – the sense amongst most of the fan base is this was kind of the moment. Like this was the, the all is lost moment. The can't go back moment. The, we see the writing on the wall moment. And you've got Scott Satterfield earlier this week during his weekly press conference, kind of, uh, I don't know, making moves that sort of reek of desperation where he's talking about Lance Taylor's going to handle more of the play calling or more of the, the play calling duties or have more input. However, he phrased it on the play calling on offense, because himself Satterfield is going to be helping out more with defense and special teams the areas where he sees you know the more need for improvement and it just he got asked the question by Rick Bozich at the end of the press conference where it was like why do you feel the need to make these changes now at this point in year four and he just kind of he looks like a sad puppy dog and just says you know losing games and he, he looked like a guy who's very aware of his situation which is is tenuous right now and I mean, I think most of the fan base, like nobody's mad anymore or people, I mean, some people are mad. No, nobody is just like apathy is set in. I think we all just kind of see where this is headed and it's, uh, it's, it's not what anybody wanted. It's, it's not good. I guess there's a little bit of hope out there that maybe something could be salvaged this year, but that hope seems to be, if not totally gone, certainly heavily faded, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I, it's tough for me to really envision a scenario where, we take something positive out of this season um, just with what we we have remaining on the schedule. Um, and like just to kind of what you noticed during the press conference, it, it almost looked like, uh, and I'm sure people have said this as well, but it almost looks like Scott got maybe a, uh, a talking to um, maybe after the game or on the weekend before his press conference. Cause you know, it it wasn't even a, a, an angry press conference, a, a fiery press conference. It was just pretty disheartening. And, you know, I'm a human. I felt I, I do feel for him because um, I think we all know, like you said, what direction we're headed in here. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me um, this basketball season when we had the home game against Notre Dame. It was Chris Mack's last home yeah. game and we got blown out. And then, um, and then he went to Virginia. It's like, is Virginia going to end our coaching staff in two different <laughs> sports here? Um, 
but yeah, I went to Virginia and that was that. So I, I kind of have the same feeling here. Um, you know, and I know we talked about before we get on here, some article just came out and I'll let you kind of, um, go on about that. But yeah, just, it's, it's not a fun time right now. Uh, you know, I, I do feel for the players. Um, but yeah, that, there's really nothing you can add. I'm sure you guys have talked about this all week. It, it's, I mean, on Monday and Tuesday on the radio show, pretty much all we did was talk about the football program and, you know, woe is me, gloom is gloom and doom, Satterfield, not great, like just just pissed off, let it all out. And then by Wednesday, I was like, I'm looking for anything else to talk about. And, I, and we ended up talking about serial killers for like an hour and a half on the show because it's what the, the text line wanted to talk about. And it was the most fun I've had doing the radio show in like three weeks. So that was that that was good because it's just there's only so much you can say at this point. I, I mean, breaking down another game where Louisville seems to be in control, has a chance to put it away doesn't, has a chance to put it away with a stop, doesn't, has a chance to go win it with a late-game score, doesn't. I mean, we, we've seen this a, a million times, and it was against a Boston College team that had been just downright bad up to that point. And it felt like, you mentioned the the Notre Dame game for basketball this past season. It reminded me a lot of, I don't know if you remember this game, in 2009, Steve Craigthorpe's last year, where everybody kind of knew that he was up against it, especially after the season started a little bit slow. But there was a game, it was almost the exact same day. I think it was, I looked it up this week, it was October 3rd. So it was like the same week of that season as this weekend's past game. We played Pitt at home. We wore like special DeVille jerseys. And it was kind of like, if he can win this one, maybe we'll get something going. And they got beat 35 to 10 by a kind of whatever oh, yeah. Pitt team. And that was the moment where like, I think everybody knew, like, like, like we're done. And I think there was always, there was always word that Tom George had a conversation with him after the game, like, you know. I'm not firing you. We're, we're not going to say anything publicly, but maybe get your resume in order. This is I, I got to start talking to some other coaches and figure out what I'm going to do moving forward because this just isn't working. And that's the best way to sum up the Scott Satterfield era right now is this just isn't working. There's there's nothing about this that's good enough. And I, I love what we're doing on the recruiting trail. Um, Malik stats are our Malik stats. We've had some decent wins over the last few years, but. At the end of the day, he is a coach with a losing record after four, in the middle of a, four, a fourth season that does not seem to be headed in the right direction. The things that have been plaguing this era continue to plague this season, and it just doesn't seem like there's any progress, any tangible progress that, that would show that things are going to get markedly better this season, next season, five years from now. And it feels like a, a marriage that has become irreconcilable. And, and like you said, we all seem to know where we're going. You mentioned the... The ESPN story that came out just before we started recording here, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, he does a like coaching carousel, hot seat buzz uh, column every, every week for ESPN, and he includes Satterfield, and here's what he had to say. He said, he didn't enter the season with the same inevitability about his job status as some of these other coaches, but it's becoming harder to see a path where Satterfield returns in 2023. Last week's 34-33 loss to Boston College, where Louisville blew four leads has put Satterfield on extremely shaky ground. If Louisville falls to lowly Virginia on Saturday before an open week, a change is expected. Even if the Cardinals bounce back, their second-half schedule includes four AP Top 15 opponents, surging James Madison, and defending ACC champion Pitt. Bowl eligibility seems extremely unlikely. Obviously, there's one sentence there that stands out above the others, which is Rittenberg saying, if Louisville loses to Virginia tomorrow, Satterfield 
probably done. I, I, I've kind of spent this week because one of the big topics has been, do you fire him midseason? I've spent most of this week saying, I don't think that that's going to happen. But clearly, there's word out there that it, it might. How do you feel about a potential midseason firing um, You know, just halfway through the season if it doesn't, in fact, wind up coming to fruition here? I mean, that's tough to say just because I'm, you know, I'm not in the locker room. Um, you know, I would think, I mean, these players came to play for Scott Satterfield for the most part. Um, you know, I, I, I think it would be pretty disheartening for the kids, um, that are on the team, but at the same time, Hey, it it could be kind of a a re-energizing moment to get some new blood in there, um, mid season and, and kind of give the guys maybe something to look forward to the back half of the year. To me, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's a huge difference whether you let him go mid-season or at the end of the year. Because like you said, it's not like we're going to be bringing in a brand new coach mid-season. It's just going to be someone interim. I guess maybe that gives you know the football program maybe more time to get their ducks in a row um, of how they're going to handle recruiting, how they're going to you know kind of handle the offseason and the coaching search. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. It, it does say you're kind of sending a message saying this isn't acceptable. We're not just going to ride it out. So from that standpoint, I I, I kind of appreciate it. But um, you know, there I feel I feel bad for the guys on the team and 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 kind of the rest of the well most of the rest of the staff. I wonder if one of the things that that might be forcing Josh Hurd's hand here is how many relatively high profile jobs have already become available. I mean, you're competing with some big names out there and if you're going to be available, you would think it would be in your best interest to make yourself available as early as possible or to let it be known that your job is available. Cause you've got, I mean, Nebraska out there that's open, Wisconsin's open, um, Arizona state's open now. Um, who else has been fired? Like, like we've had, like, I think we have five relatively good positions that are currently that, that are already open. And then you assume, so, I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point that Auburn's going to open up. Yeah. So uh, maybe that, I don't know if that plays into Josh's thought process at all, but can we all agree that objectively the most hilarious possible outcome here is Satterfield gets fired. Let's say we lose to Virginia tomorrow. Satterfield gets fired. Brian Brown gets elevated and just like fucking kills it, like 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 Brian Brown just like leads us to blowout wins over Wake and Pitt, and then we beat Clemson, NC State, and Kentucky, and nobody knows what the fuck to do. Like that that to me is the most is the most hilarious possible outcome that's on the table right now. No, I mean something tells me that that Sat and Brian Brown are going to be a a package deal in this whole thing. Yeah, um, you know, I I jeez. We can name a, a you know hundreds of places where where Sat kind of went wrong, but just kind of you know hanging on this guy's coattails this whole time. Um, and I mean Brian Brown's had his moments, but few and far between, obviously. And then last Saturday, he owns the AAC. He owns the American. Yeah. Don't don't. T- if you're an AAC squad, don't come up against Brian Brown's defense. Yeah, and I mean it's not like you know it's one thing to like not have like the right scheme in place or guys not knowing where they're supposed to be. But like against Boston college, like, I mean, there's a guy out there that looks hands down, like above anyone that's even on our roster. I'm like, 
I mean, I, Zay Flowers obviously is he, he's probably going to play at the next level, but that's a couple times. I mean, we had the Florida State wide receiver just, you know, making guys all like, that. yeah, man amongst boys. So, um, not only have we not really recruited well, I guess, but we obviously haven't developed and haven't put the right scheme in to, to really um, be successful. So, yeah, that would be something, but uh, I'm, I'm going to say that's in the highly doubtful category. Yeah, it seems the most likely, I think, scenario would be what you just said, which is Satterfield and Brown go down with the ship together. Lance Taylor probably gets elevated to interim head coach, a guy who's very popular with the most of the team, I think, and who has been on a lot of these lists of like assistants that could be head coaches one day. I think you'd see that happen. Wes McGriff would become the full-time you know, not co-defensive coordinator, but only defensive coordinator. And then maybe like a guy like Pete Thomas would get elevated to temporary OC. I don't know how that would work, but I, I think that they would, they'd give Lance a shot to maybe keep the head coaching job. I think that that would be on the table at least because they view him as a guy that might be able to keep that recruiting class together. But obviously if the second half of the season was just a abject failure, that's you know, not going to happen. It's still more unlikely than, than I think hiring somebody outside and doing more of a traditional hire would be. But this, the only thing that I've heard, and this does not come from somebody with the football program, but I have heard that there are people within the athletic program, higher-ups within the athletic program, that feel like they can keep this class mostly together regardless of who the head coach is next year, which is encouraging to hear. I think that they're, they're very confident about a couple of the high-profile players in this class, namely Ruben Owens. Um, we'll see what happens there. There's obviously no guarantees here, but it seems like the the high profile recruits. I mean, Pierce Clarkson, DeAndre Moore, those guys, they're very aware of what's going on right now. Like, like the, you've seen the dad kind of temper down his tweeting a little bit. They haven't been mentioning Scott Satterfield by name as much recently. I think everybody knows what's happening. And at the end of the day, Josh Hurd can't be held captive he 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 can't be beholden to a recruiting class like that can't affect how you handle this whole thing you have to make the move that you feel like is in the best interest of the overall football program I, I don't know if you reach out to Steve Clarkson directly and say like hey you know we, we still want you guys on board but you cannot let him or any of these these 16 17 18 year old kids influence who you wind up hiring as the head coach if you feel like there's a guy out there that's just a I can't miss candidate you go and hire him regardless of who he's going to bring in next year and just say this is going to be the better thing for the long run. But it's certainly an unenviable spot regardless of how this plays out. Like, I do feel I feel bad for Josh. He's had a hell of a first, not even full year, but a first eight months on the job, half of which he's been the interim AD for. It's a, it's a, it's a tough, tough spot. And, I mean, what if we win Saturday? And, and what if Satterfield gets a little bit uh, – you know, on a roll. I, I think the more likely scenario is if we won Saturday, we turn right around and, you know, maybe play Pitt close and lose and then lose to Wake Forest or beat Pitt and lose to Wake Forest. We just, we can't stream, see, seem to ever string together the wins that we need to. And at the end of the day, that's why we're in this position talking about what we're talking about. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Are you ready for another coaching search? Like, I feel like how many times? No, it, no, like, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, my God, like I, I feel like I've named every football and basketball candidate there possibly is to name like the last like eight years. Like I, I I'm just, it's, it's, it's going to wear me out. But at the same time, as soon as we get into like the teeth of it, I guarantee I'll, 
I'll kind of get really into it. So, um, like I saw, I saw the Wisconsin radio guy, his tweet about how, like, he's like, I'm not saying like, we're a better program than Alabama, but you've got to reach out to Nick Saban and at least make him say, you got to have that conversation. And I was just like, God damn it. I'm not ready for I this again. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Jay, talk again. Jay Gruden is, is not coming. Ne- neither is John. Um, we should just like put like a hard, stance on you know the guys that we know are going to be thrown around that just like it's not happening guys but uh i think urban myers has become <laughs> has, i feel like he's become the new john gruden like he's the guy who now every vacant coaching job is going to get linked to and it's like I, that is not going to happen here the other name I, I i can't tell you like who's josh is kicking the tires on or you know who's a realistic candidate the only name that i can tell you out there that people have been tossing around that seems like a a realistic possibility that will not be interested is, is Tom Herman because Tom Herman, I have it on fairly high authority is not coaching anywhere anytime soon, at least the next couple of years. I think he's, he's got some stuff to get straightened out before he can get back into coaching. So that was a name that I kind of got excited about when I, I first started thinking about realistic candidates and then was quickly alerted to the fact that he's, it's not a Louisville thing. He's just not coaching anywhere. I wouldn't but even want, I, the other dude, names, I wouldn't even want Tom Herman. I know he had success that, I would. Oh God, I don't know, man. Like, I, I I get it. I mean, I get the the background. Like before he got to Texas, um, but like he wasn't bad at Texas either. Like they won. Like he had a a better record than I think any Texas coach in recent years. Like they won ten games his last year there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not the most likable guy. Now I'm not saying the coach no, has to be that. likable, but um. Yeah, I, it's still a long way to go. I don't know who's realistic and who's not, but it's like, when's basketball start? November 9th. We are almost uh, one month away from the the official tip-off of the season. It's going to be a 9 p.m. tip, late-night game against Bellarmine. Uh, we're excited about that. Uh, the, the, uh, I've got a little bit of basketball to get to. We can mention that a little bit yeah. later, but I, I guess the – how awkward does this get now? And, and I've mentioned this on every pick that I've made this season. I feel like I make my predictions on a week-to-week basis based on how awkward this can get. Because Scott Satterfield, if he knows one thing, it's awkwardness. And he's going to make this as weird as possible. So I kind of feel like we're going to win tomorrow just because of that. Because how awkward does this get now if we win and we go into a bye week and there's these reports out there and the players are seeing this. And it just, it feels like it's, it feels like that's where we're headed. Like just, just regardless of what happens here, a super weird rest of the season. Anyway, you saw oh, it, it's already awkward. Like I, I feel like, especially when we, uh, you know, when we have our next home game, it's going to feel really awkward just with, you know, I feel like what the crowd is going to be. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough. There's, there's really no other way around it. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about it. So till we're blue in the face, the guy, I mean, he said it as he had his sad puppy dog eyes, like, got to win football games. I don't really know what Scott's going to do down on the defensive side of the ball during practice. I kind of wish I had a live cam for that. Um, I say, but what, what, what is he saying over there? Like, he's never know, coached defense in his exactly. life. All I envision is, like, is like what I, if somebody told me to coach defense, I'd be, like, like just over there the whole time, like, somebody make a play. Wrap up. Make a play. Wrap up. Wrap, yeah, wrap, get on the ground. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get put your head on one side, wrap up, get him on the ground. Like that'd be me. I, I, I what, what is Satterfield doing over there? What's he helping with? I, I, am, I have no I, idea. I mean, I actually am a little bit interested. Um, I don't think excited is the word, but I'm interested if um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a. Uh, a, a game where if Malik ends up not playing and, and, and we do get to see kind of Brock Doman, like, you know, manage a whole game. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, he got put in a tough spot. We got a solid, we got a solid taste last yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, he got put in a tough spot. I think when you have like a week to prepare, um, you know, they can kind of tailor things hopefully more towards him. Um, but God, it's so weird. I mean, geez. We're scoring, you know, between – and I know in college it's not a lot, but I, it's not like we're, you know, besides the Syracuse game, like scoring three to seven points a game. I mean, we're putting up points, but it just seems like we can't score at the most – you know, the times we need it. We can't get yeah. the first downs the time we need it. And then, I mean, <laughs> the big plays, I mean, that we give up on defense. My God. I mean, it's truly unbelievable. I mean, that Boston College team came into Saturday, I think, averaging something like 288 yards per game as an offense, the worst offense in the ACC, not relatively close. And we let Phil Dracovich, you know, have his get-right game, those for over 300 yards. We let their running game, which was averaging about 58 yards per game, almost get to 150 as a team. We let Zay Flowers, the only real threat they had, I mean, I guess the Gill kid is pretty good too, but we let Zay Flowers this this – T.Y. Hilton type game where we somehow get him in single coverage a couple of times. And poor Josh Minkins has to be just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, no. like, like, what, you, you want me to do what? Um, and even when we have him double covered, he's still making plays. It was just a, it, it, a colossal failure for the defense. The offense was not great either. And that leads us to the other thing about Saturday's game against Virginia, which is the playing status of Malik Cunningham is very much up in the air right now after he was dealing with concussion-like symptoms after the game. Um, I said this on the radio, so I'm not saying anything I haven't already said before. My understanding, at least at the beginning of the week, was that it was going to be pretty unlikely that Malik played against Virginia. I still feel like it's unlikely that he plays against Virginia. The other thing that I heard from the game on Saturday was that Malik's parents were there and they were not happy that he went back into the game after he took that initial targeting hit. Um, Satterfield on Tuesday said that it wasn't that hit. He said he took that hit. He came on the sidelines. They went through concussion protocol. They did the things that you're supposed to do. He passed all that. And he took a second hit later in the game where he was starting to show symptoms. And that's when they pulled him out. Um, so I, I think with his parents being concerned with the, you know, the, the two and news out being still out there with uh, just, I think, everybody trying to to be more safe than sorry at this point anyway, it would seem to me that it's more likely than not that Malik does not play against Virginia, but that's that's not inside info here as we record this about 24 hours before kickoff, but that's just kind of my, my guess based on what the, the scuttle was at the beginning of the week. So if Satterfield's going to, according to this report from Adam Rittenberg, save his job with a win over Virginia, it may take a heroic effort from one Brock Doman to get that job done, which is quite the storyline yeah i mean to think about kind of where expectations were going into the year to where i mean week six and this could i mean this could be it and it's not even your guy you know starting under center that's uh that is the definition of the wheels falling off quickly so um i don't know i mean 
I'll be interested to see kind of because I mean the last couple of games, I mean we've ran Malik a ton. I mean, gosh, do we love the yeah. the quarterback draw down in the red zone? Like, and I mean sometimes I can't blame him. Like when we do it back to back on like second and nine and third to nine, it drives me crazy. But like you know, there are some things on offense that just don't seem to be working, and and Malik kind of playing a a, a free for all Sandlot type make your own play that it seems like that's really when we bust our biggest plays most of the time. So I can kind of see why they call that stuff. But um, with, with that, not in the playbook, um, obviously receivers are going to have to step up. They're going to have to get the running game going and convert some third downs. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to come down to the defense is going to, you know, have to obviously play better than they've been playing the last couple of weeks. And when it comes to the running game, you also have Ty and Evans got hurt against Boston College. Travion Cooley got hurt against Boston College. Jalen Mitchell's coming back from an injury. We don't know the availability of any of those three guys. I think it's very much like day-to-day for all three of them. And that would leave you with just Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner, the freshman who's been getting a little bit of run recently, as your only two scholarship backs that are available. It's, I mean... It's a it's a weird situation, and then at the quarterback position behind Brock Doman, I think that the the next guy they would go to would be Nathan McElroy, the the walk on sophomore from Trinity, because I I don't think Evan Conley's available to play. I have, I don't know what's going on with Caleb Johnson. I don't know if he's still hurt or if there's something happening there, but it sounds like McElroy would be the primary backup for this game if Malik's not healthy. So I mean, you're it is a depleted backfield for sure. And the wide receiver spot has they still they struggled to get separation again against Boston College. It is a tough road to hoe for this offense uh, against a Virginia team that has been awful on offense, but pretty good defensively, or at least average defensively, and always seems to have our number. Um, it's it, it will be I think interesting is the right word. I'm interested to see how this all plays out uh, tomorrow. Despite all that, though, Louisville still a three point favorite <laughs> oh, God, according to in Vegas. We are a three point favorite. That really is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's factoring into thinking Malik might actually play. I have no idea. But um, yeah, they also had us as a you know fourteen point favorite against BC. So um, I don't know if Vegas quite has a grasp on the cards right now. Um, it's, a, it's a tough look for Virginia. Yeah. Uh, that's for yeah. sure. Real quick, I, I got a couple of, of hoops thoughts here. I thought it was. I got, I got a quick look at the. The College Basketball Almanac, which is awesome, that Jeff Goodman, Rob Doster, the three-man weave guys, some other people have, have put together. It's available for purchase out there. It's it's like a 1,000 pages. It's The thing is huge. And it's, it does shed some light, I think, on Louisville's situation a little bit because they talked to Kenny Payne directly. And uh, the, the Louisville side, if, if you're looking for if you're like, should I buy this thing, if you're looking for it to you know, increase your optimism for the Louisville basketball season, it's not going to do that. I'll say that. Um, they do pick Louisville 13th out of 15 teams in the ACC in their power rankings for the game, uh, for, the, for the season. So that's, again, not overly optimistic. But I thought it was interesting. They talked to Kenny Payne, and it's the first time that Kenny Payne really kind of acknowledges not having uh, a, a large number of guards, or he used the word playmakers. Um, he talks about needing guys like Jalen Withers and Kamari Lands to help initiate the offense, how it can't just all be Ellis. He says 
you know, those guys don't have to be point guards, but they have to make plays. They're going to have to handle the balls at times. They're going to have to get this offense started during in half court sets. And the other interesting thing is the 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 riders they venture a guess at the starting five, and because they talk to Payne directly, my assumption is that they've gotten a little bit of a hint as to who that starting five might be. So I'll ask you if you had to guess right now, who do you think the starting five is for Louisville basketball? And I'll I'll let you know what they said. I would think that the three returning guys, um, L and Sydney and and Jalen, are definitely in there. So um, that probably leaves me with, I would say, I'd say BHH at the five. And then, uh, God, the two, it's such a mystery. I don't know whether it'd be. Mike James or Kamari Lands. I'll I'll go with Lands just because I feel like you said there was some buzz in the season for him. Um, but I it, it could easily be Mike James. But that would be my guess for the five. No, you nailed it. That is the exact five. Uh, L. Ellis, Kamari Lands, uh, Jalen Withers, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and Sidney Curry as the the front court there. That would be a very tall starting five. It'd be a very interesting starting five. Um, I'm, I know that expectations are low, certainly nationally. Um, I know that expectations even locally outside of you know, some some fervent fans are pretty tempered. Um, I'm still excited to see this team and see how this works. And more than anything else, to see how Kenny Payne coaches. Like I'm very excited for the red-white scrimmage, which is rare these days. Like I feel like the red-white scrimmage was cool back in Rick Pitino's early years and then kind of dragged as, as things went along. But we've seen so few of these guys play, and, and we've seen so little about Kenny Payne's system and, and how he wants to play on offense and how he's going to attack defense. Like I, I'm all, I, very excited for the red-white scrimmage and also the exhibitions that are going to happen here in just a few weeks. Um, I mean, that starting lineup, you can sell me on that starting lineup yeah. if – if Withers is going, I mean, you forget Jalen Withers is a guy two years ago on a better Louisville team who averaged double figures. His He was so bad last year and so lost last year that I think people have forgotten how good he can be when he shows glimpses of his potential. If L. Ellis is the man at the point and he can take that next step and Kamari Lance really is, you know, overachieving and the real deal is a all-ACC caliber freshman and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield is this NBA prospect – like that's a lineup that can that can compete for sure, and then we have to figure out who the you know those three or four guys coming off the bench that can really help us are going to be. But I'm definitely I'm always going to be excited. It's Louisville basketball for God's sake. I may not have the highest expectations in the world, but it's the start of a new era. I'm very curious about what Kenny Payne's going to bring to the table. I'm very curious about what this roster can do, and I'm especially with football not giving us much to work with here these first five weeks. I'm very excited to get it going there. Yeah, I think the first uh, the first year of Kenny Payne, like, of course, I mean, I, and I've said this on past podcasts, you know, everyone's going to be judged by their wins and losses, and it's not like I'm not paying attention to that. But, like, I'll especially be interested on the defensive side of the ball, how we look. Um, I mean, under Chris Mack, it, it, it was just maddening how much we used to get, you know, just pushed around and, you know, uh, late rotations, not communicating on switching, you know, things of that nature. And, and, and that's what I'm going to be looking for is, God, is the effort just like tenfold over kind of what it's been the past couple of years? Like, are we getting the rebounds that we're supposed to be getting? You know, are we rotating on defense? 
you know, our, our, our guards not being beat off the dribble on every single possession. Um, you know, cause on offense, truthfully, I mean, we know, you know, what some of these guys can do with, with L Sydney and Jalen. Yes. They, there was flashes. Um, you know, I think on that side, we're, we're looking for a little more consistency, but this year, like I said, I think it's going to come down to, Hey, what's the style of play? What's the effort level? Are we executing? And then, you know, if we see some signs with that and the thought of maybe getting some, some more talented players here in the future, I think that's something to look forward to. We've also got now just a, a couple of weeks until Louisville Live. I think it's uh, it's two weeks from today, actually. Excited for that. The, 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 the list of visitors continues to grow. Um, namely guys from the 2024, I think, I think one guy from the 2025 class. And then the, the big name in the current class is AJ Johnson, uh, obviously. But I, I mean, I don't know how Louisville Live is going to look this year. I, I was curious about it last year, moving to Churchill Downs. It went off as a rousing success. It was awesome. It looked like the, the, the photos were very cool. I think they would have liked to have done that forever. But then Churchill decided to change the look of the paddock and there's all this construction going on over there because we can't, you can't have anything for the average man at, at Churchill Downs yeah. anymore. Like even, even the paddock now has to be this luxury experience. I was like, come on, guys, Jesus Christ. But anyway, uh, so Louisville shots fired at Churchill Downs a little bit. But I mean, can you not just let us hang out in the fucking No, place? I agree. I mean, like, look cool when it's done. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know. I remember I used to valet park cars out there. It was uh, it was for it was more for the common man. I'll say that. Um, the paddock was cool because you could see like like you know standing shoulder to shoulder watching the horses could be like a dude in a Armani oh, suit 100%. and a, another guy and like in like a, a fuck Joe Biden t-shirt with the sleeves cut yep. off. Like like they, those those guys could have been standing shoulder to shoulder smoking cigars and watching horses. And now you've got you know it's, it's going to be you know, everything has to be bougie, I guess, but whatever. Um, but now the, so Louisville Live's moving to Slugger Field. I'm curious to see like where they're going to put the court. I know they're selling tickets now for the first time. Um, I don't know where, I'm assuming there's going to be a segment of the fans that will be down there on the field around the court. There'll probably be more that'll be in the the stadium seating, but I just, I'm, I'm, I trust the UofL people because they pulled this off in a great way. Every time they've done it so far, it was awesome at Four Street Live. Uh, it was awesome last year at Churchill. I'm assuming it's going to be awesome this year. But it's a big-time event. I mean, if we're really going to get this thing going on the recruiting trail with Kenny Payne, like we need to impress these kids that are coming in here because you've got some big, big, big names from the 2024 class and then obviously the biggest fish that you're still after in the 2023 class as well. That's It's going to be fun to see the team as well. But it, it, it's it's almost more about recruiting at this point than it is an unofficial kickstart of the season. Right. It's, it's – uh... It's kind of like when we were in high school, we used to go to the open houses. This is like the open house for Louisville, basically. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. But you, you <laughs> I used to be a host for those things. Um, I was pretty good at it. Anyways, um, no, I mean, I, I think it. We're, we're hoping after this that if we see Kenny close the close the deal on some of these, I think that's going to put the fan base at um, somewhat ease. I mean, I know the whole DJ Wagner and, um, you know, the other, I forget the center's name, is hanging over our heads recruiting-wise. But to me, you know, I don't know. To me, at least, I, I feel like we're, it's it's almost time to move on. I don't know how the staff feels. Um, I don't think they care how I feel. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah they care. No, I know they do. They're listening. Um, but... 
No, I'm the, I'm the same way. It, it, to me, it doesn't resonate like again, but I'm 37, maybe to, you know, 18 to, to 25 year olds. Like this is like an absolute, you know, awesome, wild event. And, you know, cause people do love it, but, um, I guess I'm just an old man, you know, yelling into the clouds, I guess, but it, it'll be nice if we can, uh, put on a good show. And like you said, maybe close some, close the deal on a recruiter too. Honestly, that's probably the best summary of the the podcast. Is I guess I'm just an old man yelling into the clouds. That's pretty much what we do here. Yeah. That's uh, that's who we've become. It's who we are. It's what we do. Uh, we wanted to keep this podcast short just because. What, what else can you say about the football situation that hasn't really been said? Before we make our picks for the Virginia game, do you have a? Is there a Dan in the dumps for this week? Uh, I kind of discussed this with you last night, um, and now I'm gonna have to never tell people in Columbus that I have a podcast because um <laughs> not want them listening to this. But you know Are you giving kids golf clubs? Yeah, but yeah, we're not gonna tell that story. So my son wanted to have this birthday party. <laughs> no, but uh you know, being here in Columbus, we're going on about four years and we've got to meet some people, but for the most part we kinda hang out with the people that my wife has already knew in the past and I've gotten to know their husbands and I mean really good people up here. Um, but my, you know, my wife is, she's, a, you know, she wants us to kind of branch out and start hanging out with, you know, some of our, our friends, um, or our kids, uh, friends, parents as well. So we've gotten to know some people in the neighborhood. When I say gotten to know, it's like, Hey, like we probably need to have these people over and like introduce ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's great. I mean, really nice people. Um, I will say like, <laughs> maybe not the type of people that like I could see me and my wife, like, you know, just calling up on a Saturday and like grabbing dinner with. Um, but, but like I said, nice people. So anyways, I I've gotten invited to this poker game. I mean, you know, after meeting this guy at least five times and I really have had excuses. I've been like out of town, you know, I've had kids sports games. Like, so I, I feel bad, but you know, my wife is the one communicating with, with this guy's wife about <laughs> setting up this poker game. So, like, every time my wife's going to have – she's been, like, you know, typing excuses why I can't go. But anyways, this week, you know, I, I'm available. I am. And Kim was like, I think it's time. I think it's time you play at the poker game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, am I really doing this? And she's like, "It, come on. And, like, if you've ever seen the movie I Love You, Man, like <laughs> – that literally that's like what it is but like she's like you need to just get out there and meet some people like that's totally what it is i'm like all right i guess i'll go like and now like you know i i was texting you guys last night i don't know like i know this guy and all his friends like they have a text chain about like borrowing each other's tools in the neighborhood which like i haven't picked up a tool in my life um so yeah, I'll have to uh, update everyone in the poker game. I th- these are nice people. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much kind of where I'm at this weekend. I want you to cause a scene <laughs> at this thing and never get invited back. <laughs> yeah, raise motherfucker. Yeah, what does Phyllis say? She's like, "Oh, I'm all in. I'm just here to have fun, like in the office." Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, well, I want you to be the. I want you to be like. You guys are a fucking joke. My friends from Louisville would eat you alive at this table. All I can think about is, like, I wonder how the table would react if, like, 
I was just like cutting it up like, oh man, thanks for inviting me. And then like as soon as like I'm on the button and I have to raise, I just take out these wild sunglasses and like go stone faced and like <laughs> put them, and, like put them on and like don't say a word. <laughs> just literally sitting there. Like, so what do you do for a living? I just staring these guys down in like my dinosaur reflective sunglasses. <laughs> Don't talk the entire time. (laughs) Raise. After a guy like calls me with nothing, I'm just (laughs) like a Phil Hellmuth. I'm like, I can't deal with this fucking guy. He doesn't know how to play poker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, either that or just go like completely obscene. (laughs) Like, like three minutes after you start playing, it's like. All right, Mary fuck kill. And then just like name name the guy's wives. Like like who, who are... Oh my god. Yeah, well. Uh... Oh, I am I mean I was already I mean I am fuck I am dreading the era where I have to start making friends with the kids' friends parents. Like I I am I I am dreading it. I'm so happy right now that they're not old enough to be doing that just yet, but I know it's coming. And I just, I mean, oh, and you're the same you way. Are, I you are going to be in deep because Mary is like the biggest social butterfly I know. Like, of all time. So, I mean, you are going to be out and about, you know, going to different, going to the zoo or whatever you guys do. The pressure is going to be off the charts. Like, like the, like, you just need to get. I'm like, I already have enough friends. Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, I, I don't, I don't need any more friends. If I drop a couple of here. Then maybe I'll pick some more up, but like right now I'm good. I don't I don't need to be doing this. And I it's gonna be it, you thought Kim was pushing you. It's gonna be ten times worse, and I'm not gonna like it. I'm, I already don't like it. It's it's gonna be bad. I really will do the like the the poker thing, and just if I'm ever in that situation, I will make sure that I don't get invited back. I to should that just game. like a one upper um, the whole time. It's like yeah, I, I do this. Like oh yeah, my <laughs> mom used to babysit King Griffey Junior. Uh, is it is it on me? <laughs> 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 oh fuck uh let's all right let's make some predictions before we get out of here tomorrow noon kickoff against virginia cards on the road like i mentioned three-point favorite malik cunningham status still up in the air i don't think he's going to play i'm not 100 percent sure i'm kind of going into my prediction presuming that he's not going to play how do you think this uh how does this play out dan Well, Scott, if that report is true, then it really was fun. I just don't think there's a way we can win this game. I'm going to say 23-10 and the end of the Scott Satterfield era. Presumably, Virginia wins. I said it before. Whatever maximum awkwardness is what's going to happen, I think we're going to win. I really do, and it's going to be – it's going to be the weirdest bye week of all time. I think. I think with even with Brock Doman, even if we're down to two running backs, we're going to find a way to win this game. We're going to make sure that we can't fire him in the middle of the season and have it cut and dry. We're going to find a way to win. Tony <laughs> goes nuts upstairs. But, yeah, once it's again, like, be her awkward, weekly appearance. Be her weekly appearance on the show, right there at the end. But I, I think they find a way to win. I think it'll be a, an ugly game. These are probably the two worst teams in the ACC. Um, but I, I'm going to say Louisville wins it. Let's say 23-17 in just a a game that doesn't exactly inspire confidence going into the bye week. Okay. And it's like, with you the, say in the, the highlights for this game, are going to make Sports Center. 
I would say it's a Colts Broncos esque affair. It's gonna be it, it's gonna be tough. But hey, I hope we win. I hope we can turn things around. I hope we can salvage the season. But if uh, if there is a, a Satterfield firing over the weekend, you may hear an emergency pod from us. Uh, if there's a you know if it's a win, you'll probably hear from us next week during the bye week. But at some point, you'll be hearing from us. We don't know. It, it's, I'm curious. We'll use that word again to know what the the main topic of conversation is going to be. But until we talk to you guys again. Let's get this win. Go Cards. Beat Virginia. Go Cards.